and welcome to the Bread, Wine, and Everything Fine podcast, where I'll be talking about all things food, the finer things, and things that are fine just the way they are. I'm your host, Sancha Toth, a bread and wine-loving photographer, wife, and mother who loves gathering people in my home to eat good food and have good conversation. I learn so much from the people I get to talk to, and I'm very excited to start sharing some of those conversations here on this podcast. This episode was fun for me. I discovered April on Instagram about a year ago, and she has been such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to sustainable swaps and implementing environmentally conscious habits. She was kind enough to agree to chat with a total stranger, and we ended up having a wonderful conversation about practical daily ways we can be a part of keeping the future of our planet in mind. It's a good one. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Bread, Wine, and Everything Fine podcast. I am so excited to have you, April, here with me today. And we were just chatting briefly about how you are more of a morning person and I am more of an evening person. So I am really grateful that you were taking the time out of your evening to chat with me today. This is fun. Yes, thank you so much for having me. So... As I've kind of said in um, previous episodes, I'm trying to take a little bit of a, not a detour per se, but just sort of shifting focus a little bit away from the food and the wine and the finer things um, that I've had so much fun chatting with people about in future or past episodes um, and shifting the focus a little bit more towards um, simple and sustainable living. Um, and partially because I am trying to integrate some of these habits into my own life and learn about why they're, they are important. Um, but additionally, just because I think we have time right now to be putting some of these practices in place. We're all, well, not all, but many of us are like working from home. And I think having a bit of time to reevaluate our priorities a little bit. And so I know this has been something listeners have asked to learn about. So April, I'm so excited you're here. Uh, for listeners who wouldn't know why our paths would have crossed, it was Instagram and you had some, I don't even know how I came across your account, actually. I think it might have been Plastic Free YYC. Oh, yeah, maybe. I think you did a, it was like some, I think it was about a year ago, and you were doing, um, there was like a conference, and you were doing a session, and I can't even remember any of it except that I remember hearing you talking about certain things to do with sustainability and the environment. And I was like, she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> and I followed you. And since then, it's just been like a wealth of knowledge and like new things for me to learn and some practical tips. And then just kind of seeing the habits that you've put into place in your life. So without any more distraction, I would love to know a little bit about um, how these topics and maybe even lifestyle choices became a priority for you and where what was kind of the catalyst for you in that. Mm-hmm, for sure. So I think that a lot of these thoughts around like slower and sustainable living have always been in the back of my head. But while I was in university a few years ago, I was really just on autopilot mode and didn't do a ton about it. And probably the catalyst for me 
would have been buying our first home. So we're kind of moved out of that place of university where we really didn't have any additional income to now kind of having a career starting that next part of life where we've got this home and a ton of options on how to fill it. So I started thinking about like the life that I wanted to build and really assessing the options and all of the products and whatnot that we started filling our home with. So like everything from like little things like laundry detergent to furniture um, and all these things that we were getting surrounded with, where it came from, its environmental impact. And what I realized is that we have so much choice. It's everywhere. So and while some of these things like detergents seem small, I think our home is also filled with so many things So when you pull them all together, all of these little things do come together for a really big impact. Yeah, you nailed it. It's insane how much stuff we have. I have done the minimalist challenge a couple of times the past year, and I'm doing it kind of unofficially now because we're moving um, to BC at the end of March. And it like I would say that I identify as someone who doesn't like clutter, my home is quite simple and fairly tidy and I don't, I don't like trinkets. And, you know, like if you walked into my home, you'd be like, oh, you're a minimalist. And yet I have done the challenge twice, which I think totals, like if you do, like for anyone listening who's never done the minimalist challenge, it's, um, you take a month and on day one of the month, you get rid of one thing. And on day two, you do two and three, you do three all the way up to 30 or 31. And you end up getting rid of about like 500 items. And I was, I've done it tw- like almost three times now. And it's like, that's 1500 things. Wow. Like that's so many things. How did I, get, how did I get so many things? So I, yeah, you're so right. And to fill a home, is like a lot more things. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so continue making decisions about how to fill your home. Yeah, and actually on that note too, um, I think it's a real. Even though like I maybe wouldn't recommend it unless you need to, but packing all of your things up and moving is a really good exercise in understanding the things that you bring into your life and it's yes. something you need to hang on to because I think then the next time, like it's still fresh in my mind from when we moved, well, we moved from Regina four years ago and then into an apartment and then into our home now. So a couple times in the last few years. And I think it makes you evaluate your purchases a little different when you're thinking about maybe moving again in the future. If you're going to take that with you. Yeah. Yeah. My, my family moved um, from small town Saskatchewan to the UK for four years And we basically were allowed just based on like freight and getting stuff across the ocean. We, each of us kids had like one sort of, it was like a crate that we had. And that was like our belongings. And if it did not fit, it could not come. And I think that was kind of the start of, at least for me being like, wow, actually I functioned really fine without those things. And I wouldn't have had household goods or things like that. That was personal belongings. But even so, I think it, you're so right. That's actually like a really great exercise and, and obviously a lot of work too. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Great point. Yes. 
So what kinds of things did you, what were maybe some of the like most um, surprising things when you were trying to decide what to go in your house? And I know from what I've seen on your Instagram, you are still having to make some of these decisions or you've made some changes to your home and you're I saw you were talking about like bed sheets and stuff like that. What are some of the um, maybe more surprising things that you didn't realize had either a really detrimental environmental impact that maybe you wouldn't have known before or some that you're like, ooh, that's actually like a really great product? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think one of the big places that we started with within our home was furniture. Mm-hmm. Um, and within that, we approached it in a couple different ways where either we look to pieces that could be more investment type of pieces that are long term, like will mm-hmm. be with us our whole life. Um, and then a lot of stuff we thrifted, which is um, it's not something I did previously, but it's a really fun way to find new items to bring into your home. It totally is. It's kind of exciting. There's like a thrill a little oh, bit. Yeah. <laughs> I love the thrill of, you know, it's like previously it would be going to the mall and getting things on sale, but I feel like yes. this is a different kind of thrill. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Especially when you're thinking about like the environment and just finding like next to new things and the alternate that would have happened if you didn't take it home. So <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, it's a little bit daunting to think about it actually. And that's why I'm excited to chat with you because I think, I mean, I would say that, I mean, I'm making a little bit of an assumption here, but the, the people that are listening to this podcast are probably some may have, um, some insight into things they can be doing, um, day to day and are probably very aware that like, there is a bit of a desperate need for us to start implementing um, changes. And I know there's a conversation about both sustainability and reducing our carbon footprint and things like that. Um, But just to kind of the average person, what would you say are like some of the things that could be done day to day that I know I've seen some that you've shared, but in addition to like furniture and, and thrifting, um, what, yeah, what are some just really day-to-day things that people could be conscious of? Yeah. So I think one of the, like a good way to start because sustainability can mean so many different things. So Mm -hmm. to understand where the value is for you. So for me, largely it has to do with waste reduction and mindful consumption with the environment in mind. Um, And really, I think our lives are kind of these, the set of like little microsystems or habits that we've just like pulled together on a daily basis that we often repeat. So Mm -hmm. looking through your day to day and understanding what kind of habits you have in place that might not be the most sustainable and then making any adjustments to create these sustainable habits. One example is uh, books. I always pictured myself, I feel like a lot of people probably had the same vision, but with like a big bookcase with all of the books I've read over the years. Yes. Um, and then I live in a townhouse with limited space. That's not, <laughs> that's not really a reality for me. Um, and then also like 
spending money on books. I don't know if that's like a priority budget wise. And then of course, like the environmental footprint that comes Mm -hmm. with manufacturing and delivering the books. So before my habit was to either just like buy used or more likely impulse buy it from Amazon or not even impulse, just buy it from Amazon. Right. Um, So recognizing that that was a habit Instead, I looked at other options and the library. We have one, like this incredibly beautiful library in Calgary, a few of them actually, but um, a brand new one. So I started exploring the library more and I'm loving this new habit. I am 100% with you on that. I grew up literally like summers were spent checking out library books, like just reading library books. And I think there was a little bit of an incentive that the library um, where we were had, um, if you read, I think it was like 10 books, then they'd give you a free blizzard, like DQ had a partnership with them. So like we would just read books all summer long and what a great honor system. Um, but Uh I, I definitely have like a nostalgia about the library. And so probably about a year ago, yeah, almost exactly a year ago, I realized that, oh, we had a library like five minutes from us in the neighborhood we'd moved into and got a library card. And I, I actually thought the same thing because I previously would have just purchased on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Amazon, it was like my go-to for a year. Prime was the best. Also, I was like freshly postpartum and sometimes diapers to your door is like a really great gift. But um, <laughs> but definitely being like, huh, I absolutely had that dream of like the bookshelf, the library. My dad's an academic, like, you know, he's got books on books on books. Um, but having that um, realization that I was kind of sharing these books with all these other people and that... I A, didn't have to pay the money to read them, which then I could allocate dollars elsewhere. Um, I could still have that tangible experience. I, I really like the paper. I like the feeling it, not staring at a screen, even if it's not blue light, like I work on a screen all day to be able to disconnect from that just feels like mentally good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, to just even for the manufacturing, like when you take all of those things in, that's actually like a really amazing switch and Mm -hmm. Calgary does have a like even right now during the pandemic like having the um the curbside pickup option yeah so great yeah it's they make it really accessible yeah okay so that's one thing that you did which I love and then I think too like I feel like there could be a couple approaches because if you try and tackle everything at once it can be very overwhelming so I would say Mm -hmm. 100% start small Um, but one avenue you could take is just writing down everything that you purchase within a month's time. Mm. And then at the end of the month, going through and looking if there maybe are any habits or trends within your purchasing, um, are you impulse buying off of Amazon? Did you maybe buy a rug from Wayfair when you could have thrifted something? Mm -hmm. Are you buying like a bunch of bottled water when you could have just like brought your own bottle of water, things like that. I think um, we have so much power as consumers and just understanding where we are spending our money and then just taking some thought into it to understand, 
could we change our purchasing in some kind of way to make it more sustainable? I, th- I am personally a systems person. I am like my friends will kind of poke fun at me because I have spreadsheets for everything. <laughs> and as much as I am a creative, like my brain is super analytical and like very much workflow sort of basis. Um, but, and so even like you saying that I'm already like, oh my gosh, I can make a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's like, we do this with our budget sometimes. Well, we we keep a budget and I've actually appreciated your stories on finances and step two. They're just such good reminders, but um, it's really amazing to see like the categories where it's like, ooh, a lot of dollars are going into that. Um, is that necessary? Could they be used elsewhere? Are those dollars going into something that is beneficial? Um, yes, absolutely. It's like such a behavioral thing. I was chatting with um, uh, another guest um, a couple of weeks ago now and um, sort of a similar topic, but a little bit different. And um, he was just even commenting exactly this, that it is like it, environmental change is going to require behavior change. So I love that this like habits and like what choice, what choices are we making mm-hmm. as consumers? And now correct me if I'm wrong. You guys went down to one vehicle. Yes. Yeah. Correct? And was that also sort of a part of this process or was that just, you didn't need it? Um, That's a good question. Like I feel like, Part of how we made the decision as to where to buy our home was influenced from the fact that like we needed it to like we needed a place that was accessible to downtown because right. we only wanted one vehicle. Um, right. And the cool thing about that is it almost forces us to a find places within our community that will get all of our services from whether that's like a gym a hair salon that would be like biking or walking distance Mm -hmm. Um, and then it forces us to just use like other modes of transportation whether it's the bus a bike rollerblades like whatever it might be um we you need you kind of can't rely on always having a vehicle so you just have other systems in place that work for you I think it's like takes discipline to make that happen because you do sort of have to anticipate your needs individually and where you're going to need to go and stuff. We, when um, COVID hit, because we were both working from home, we put one of our cars in the garage and, and then again, um, my husband's been working from home for a few months. We did the same thing. We're actually um, in the process of getting it ready to sell partially because the inspections are so strict going to BC and we just don't want to have to deal with kind of extra expenses. It's a great vehicle. We just may have to pay more on top of that. So we're going to sell it and maybe buy something there, but we really want to feel out kind of what life is like and see what we can do with one vehicle. Um, just cause I think it is such a convenience. It's like you hop in your car and you drive wherever you need to go. And even then budget wise too, getting rid of a vehicle is like a pretty significant chunk Mm-hmm. In the budget. Yeah. I am I'm really impressed by you, actually. <laughs> so okay, so we have thrifting, we have um kind of habit habit mapping, which I think is beneficial for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um and you have an amazing habit of waking up. How like how early do you usually wake up? Uh, like six ish, I guess. 
Okay, that's very early to me, but maybe to like the average person. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's not too bad. I mean, it's different. Um, if I was going into the office, it would have to be earlier. So we'll see. Right. We'll see what that looks like when we do return to work or to the office. But having that habit, I think, speaks a lot to even just discipline. Um, and I think you're exactly right. We did a no spend January and um, just to see kind of what, what that would do to our budget, kind of some of those spending habits. And it was like quite drastic actually at the end of the month being like, Oh wow. Like we have a lot of impulse buys that even if it's like, you know, not super detrimental to anything, it's like, Oh, just it's casual, casual purchases. And so I actually am, I'm very inspired actually by that idea of just how habitual things can play a part in environmental impact. Yeah. Super interesting. I love the no spend month. I think they're great for everybody to do. And I feel like it's always nice to do it after Christmas as well, because that is typically a very high spend month. Um, But just for the purpose of even pointing out, as you said, where your spending habits are and you even when I did that grocery spending poll on my Instagram, yeah. it was interesting how shocked people were on either end of the spectrum. Like, I can't believe you spend so much and I can't believe you spend so little. And even just people saying, oh, wow, I actually don't know how much I spend on groceries. Right. So kind of had a little bit of everything. So it is a, it's a good check to see where your funds are going. Oh, food is a... I don't even want to talk about how much we spent on food last year. I like finished, like we have a month to month. So usually I kind of look at the month and see how it plays out overall based on our, you know, income and which is a little bit sporadic just because we have been full-time wedding photographers and videographers for so many years that it's like income isn't super consistent. Um, And so it's not quite as easy as being like, all right, this is coming in and we're taking this off the top. Like it's, yeah, it's a little bit um, of a grayer budget, I suppose. Um, but I did our overall total for last year. I'm not even going to tell you. Like <laughs> it was, it was so much food. And I mean, yes, we have a child who does eat. Like he eats probably in a day close to what I eat in a day. Wow. But like, still. I yeah. So your polls, I was like, oh man, people are killing it. I yeah. never work on this. <laughs> but I think that conversation too, and that exactly people being like, I don't know how much I spend. One hundred percent, like to know where your dollars are going, mm-hmm. I think is is so so important. Um, so as you think about like these things, I know one thing that I've seen you do, and I think you're really good at it. And I know on social media, you're kind of shifting your conversation towards the larger kind of, um, you know, carbon emissions conversation. But in terms of like day-to-day life, food waste is something that you've definitely talked about, um, that process. And Calgary does have a pretty great composting system as far as I'm aware, um, in my experience. But do you find that that's something that's, that was like, difficult to do when you consider, um, just like in, in the sustainability lifestyle for you, like, has that been challenging? Has that been something that you found to be like effective? Um, yeah, so you're totally right. Like composting, I would say is probably as an individual, one of the 
better things you can do for your environmental footprint, especially if you're like zoning in on the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in Regina, they didn't, they don't have an industrial compost system there. I think they're implementing one now, but they didn't before. So I actually had my own bin of, uh, it was a vermicompost. So it was a bin full of worms. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was actually really fun. I kept it in the house. And this was when I lived up with my parents and my, my mom was not a fan of having a bin full of worms in the house. But I, I loved the entire process of just like seeing how you could take these food scraps and then turn it back into something that will that turn back into soil that could like grow mm-hmm. new food. Like it's, it's a really incredible process composting. Um, so seeing it so readily available and easily accessible in Calgary was something I was really excited about because it's a lot easier to sell your friends on co- composting when they don't have to do much except for yeah. in the bin. So yeah, yes. I, I would love it if, every city had that kind of access. I, I completely agree. I grew up also in Saskatchewan and like back, my grandma had, a, not my grandma, my mom. That's really <laughs> funny. My mom had a, uh, um, a garden and then beside it had a compost bin. Um, and it was just like, it was, I mean, it took longer. It wasn't like a ton of worms. It was very natural. It had just kind of been grown over years and years. Um, but I think, I think honestly, that's what just sort of made it seem quite straightforward. And I think having the bins um, that were, you know, provided to all of these households in Calgary has, yeah, kind of removed the excuses for participating at least somewhat. Like we empty our compost all the time. Like we definitely utilize it and our garbage like the amount of times that we take our garbage out in comparison to prior to them implementing the compost system, like we rarely take it out. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is really, really interesting to see like how much of garbage was food, like so much. I almost being the analytical person I am, I was like, we should weigh this and see how much we do in a year. <laughs> That's awesome. There are other priorities though, but yeah, I'm grateful to live where we do for that. And I think another thing I've seen you do too, and we have one as well, we kind of split. I would say we take out our compost enough that it doesn't smell bad really quickly, but anytime it's like, um, like meat um, or things that might start smelling quicker. Um, we have like a small ice cream pail that we use and we just put water in the bottom so it freezes. And then we put the stuff in over top so it's not sticking to the bottom. And then, yeah, just take that out when it fills up too. So we kind of have the two options. Yeah, I love freezing ours because I mean, the annoying thing about garbage is when you do put organics in there is it stinks. And we... <laughs> we've never had to deal with the stinky garbage because we just put all of our organics in the freezer. And then the garbage is like same here. We probably take it out maybe once a week, like a small grocery bag. And the rest is, it's really just organics. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's really amazing. Like the difference it made. And I remember they released some stats after they'd implemented it about like how much compost and, it was quite amazing. And then even gardening last year, um, it was really cool. They made like compost from 
like Calgary compost available for gardeners. And it was like, well, how amazing. You could just go pick up a bag of compost and use it in your garden. Like what a fun circle of life. (laughs) I just, the stuff like that really, really excites me. Um, Okay. So going forward, as you look at maybe some of the things that you've implemented already, um, the things that you've considered, you've kind of mapped out some of your habits and taken into consideration, even things like furniture or um, how you can make either longer term purchases or save something from the landfill. What are maybe some future things that um, you would like to tackle or implement more so into your life or shift focus to? I would love to hear them. Um, that's a good question. Like I feel like we've done so much in our house over over the last couple of years. So, I mean, the best approach I would suggest is to start small and then, you know, every time you might run out of something is the best time to replace it then and maybe mm-hmm. consider rather than just like ransacking your whole house being like it needs to be more sustainable right um so it really has been quite a process and I feel like we have a lot of good systems in place um which is kind of why on the blog I'm transitioning more to like this larger carbon footprint conversation because I feel like I've almost went through like if you go on to the earlier posts of my page it has all like the little swaps that you can make. And it's like, we've kind of made a lot of those little swaps to the point that I'm pretty content. Um, And now I want to really dig into the other parts of the conversation, like the other players that are involved, because I think so often, especially on Instagram too, just because it's easy to talk about swaps, you know, it's just these, these little things that as a where you can change or you can buy, but I don't think consumers should take on or like individuals should take on that kind of burden because we also have businesses and governments and Mm -hmm. they play a massive role in this. Like I would say, while individuals do have this unique role to play, I think ultimately the bigger picture of the climate crisis is reliant on government policy and business sustainability. Yeah. I like this idea of how can we build habits so that we are conscious of the role we play in the world, but absolutely like me switching out my Ziploc bags for stasher bags is not going to save the planet. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that stasher bag had to be manufactured somehow. So there is like, there's so many things at play. And I actually really like what you said about um, even earlier in our conversation about starting really small and implementing things um, and then only replacing things when you run out. Cause I think you're exactly right. It's like, Oh, I need to have this eco-friendly thing. So therefore I'm throwing out a full bottle of laundry detergent to replace it with strips when that was like wasted products. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, I agree with all of those, but definitely um, it is, it is bigger than you and me mm-hmm. for sure. What kind of do you think would be a sort of a, in addition to becoming more informed, what would be like sort of an action item that say someone listening to this podcast could do? Now, obviously we're in Calgary, we're Canadian. (laughs) This is kind of what, where we have a voice, but what would you say is something that, yeah, the average person could, could do about it? Um, 
I mean, there's a really big chunk of our personal footprints that does come from transportation. Mm-hmm. So considering what your own mode of transportation is, whether that's like a vehicle, bus, bike, what kind of options you have available to you. And like yeah. if you could even carpool, for example, I think that has a big impact. Right. Um, another big area too, actually, is clothing. Right. Yes. <laughs> and I think that this is a cool conversation too, to understand the different, or like the two players where we have the individuals who get to influence the market by saying either I want to thrift or I want to purchase from a sustainable company. Because Mm -hmm. I think clothing manufacturers have really had the lens put on them lately. Um, You know, all of these fast fashion companies, they're in the spotlight too for their practices. And people, I think we're coming into this new decade of people putting that focus on companies and holding them accountable. Yes. And clothing in particular is just an easy one that people can follow along with what their supply chain looks like. And there are just a lot of, whether it's like human rights issues or environmental issues interwoven with their supply chain. So it's one that has a lot of hot button issues, Um, but it's, It's an example of something where individuals, they get to have their say and influence the market. And then businesses, I think you can be really successful if you come through um, and manage all of these different aspects of your supply chain. And when it comes to like um, even just like the larger kind of government business conversation, is that sort of what you would recommend even just like being aware of um, kind of the players and, and like what their, yeah, what their supply chains are like, things like that. But, um, additionally with, with government, is there something that, you know, like sometimes I think about it, I'm like, if I were to meet my, my MLA, what would I say to him in person? You know, like, what would I approach him with? What would even be the question that I could ask that could maybe, um, help me learn more about where his priority priorities are when it comes to the climate, like <laughs> to ask, like, do you care about climate change is like not enough to, to know even what to fight for. Does that make sense? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's a really good question actually, because we do talk about government um, and often it's from a place of like, we already have a government in place. So we're following along to see what right. policies they enact. Um, but if you did have those conversations, um, I mean, I think that's amazing. Even just asking and putting it front of mind saying, what are you doing or what are we doing to manage the climate crisis within our city right, or within our province, whatever that might look like? Yes. Okay. No, I like all of these and I think they're all very practical. And um, I think what I appreciate about this conversation is just that they're yeah, it, it just makes it not that it's attainable. There's so much work to be done. Um, but I think it, it makes it a little bit like, okay, we, we can do things tangibly. Like we can, we can build habits and we can hold people accountable and we can remain accountable ourselves and having the conversation. It just delights me that it's, you know, more of a mainstream conversation, which it should be. It's our, it's our planet. Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually just reading, um, a book and 
forgive me, I will find the author's name. Uh, it is uh, White Tears, Brown Scars uh, by Ruby Hamad. And um, she talks about just even how like, and this is a whole different conversation, but just like how um, like colonization like impacted our environment and just like how really we need to be responsible for the damage we have caused. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we have a, a role to play. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time um, to chat with me about this. And um, for anyone who is listening, where can they find you to learn more? Um, on my Instagram account. So Rocky Mountain Rising. <laughs> Perfect. And I will share it when I'm posting about this episode for sure. Um, and um, okay, so one thing that um, you may have listened to previous episodes, you may not have. I am a podcast that was, or this is a podcast that was kind of birthed out of a uh, love of wine and bread and food and gathering and people. And, and I think this sustainability and kind of climate conversation connects because we live in this world. It provides the things we need that enable that lifestyle. Um, but I asked the same question at the end of every episode, and it is this, if you were to cook something at home or make a dish at home what is your go-to and if you were to eat out or in covid times it might be more like takeout who knows um what is your go-to dish that you order and love to eat or is there a go-to one i'm just always so curious sorry to put you on the spot no, that's okay. <laughs> um Okay, so I, I feel like this is going to sound lame, but it, it's not. So I just need to elaborate. <laughs> so my favorite go-to is a kale Caesar salad. Okay. And, <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's so boring, a salad. Um, but it's like a super salad. So um, it's like if you've ever eaten that fork and salad before and you can like build your own. Yes. It's like we've almost taken that principle and it's – it's fun to eat with other people too, because we'll have like the base where you've got the kale and like the homemade um, cashew nut dressing. Yes. Um, but then you have like all of these toppings. So I don't know whether it's like farro or pumpkin seeds or like some kind of cheese. And then you like build your own salad. Um, I love it. It's <laughs> not, no, honestly, I, I think that is like, I think salad is no what's the word underrated. Yeah. Underrated. Yes, that would be the word. Right. And salad is like you can like customize it. Yep. That's right. I remember yeah. I made it for my brother once and he was like, This is I'll tell you, April, this is a really good salad, but I don't <laughs> think you can call this a Caesar salad. <laughs> Well, one of the most rewarding things this summer about having a garden is that kale grows really well in our zone. And so I had kale from like end of May until October because it, it it's like much more resilient to frost. And I had so many kale salads and it was the best. Just went out, picked it, massaged it. It was a good time, so I'll have to do this next time. I love that. <laughs> That's actually one of like a really good sustainable thing you can do too. Grow your own food. Yeah, we saved. I mean, 
I don't know if we saved because as I said, our grocery bill is so high last year, but but I think that was honestly just like eating our feelings and just buying treats. Um, but we, yeah, I think, I mean, it was just three planter boxes. I didn't have a ton. I had like beets and kale and, um, green onions actually really were, um, plentiful and and then I froze them so we just kind of have them Mm -hmm. all the time um we had peas and lettuce and zucchini and beans carrots cucumbers basil weirdly my basil grew and it just feels like a fluke um but yeah I think it was probably like six or seven hundred dollars worth of produce over the course of the summer which was just like and it was kind of like great for my mental health too. So yeah. I'll have to figure it out in BC because it's a different zone, but the growing yeah. season is so much longer. Um, oh, so I'm excited. That's yeah. amazing. I tried a couple pots on our deck last year. Did not, <laughs> not work. So. Okay. So someone who I, I think um, it may actually end up being a guest on the podcast, but um, she has been like my garden mentor, uh, feeding our roots. Um, she's fantastic. She basically has the, the garden of my dreams. And, um, so if anyone's listening, she's amazing. Um, and so, yeah, you'll have to, you'll have to check her out after this. Um, but if you were to go out, so at home, it's kale, Caesar salad elevated. Um, <laughs> what would it be if you were out and about? Um, you know, I, hmm, so I do, it's hard to pick one. Okay. Um, I want to say 10 foot Henry. Okay. I love them. And the coop. I love mm-hmm. them too. But lately for ordering in, since that's the trend of the year, we, yeah. our go-to is usually Indian food. Ooh. Yeah. And I don't know if I really have, like, we like to try just like different ones all the time. Um, Cause I feel like they all kind of have like a little bit of a different flavor, but yep. um, we recently ordered from Rajdut. Mm-hmm. Was a good one, but yeah, I just because I'm a vegetarian and my husband is not, so whether it's like Indian or Thai or something, it's always nice because they have just so many good vegetarian options and yes, other options for my husband. I like that. We actually ordered Indian just the other night because I wanted pakora. Just mm-hmm. for yes. <laughs> but no, I I appreciate you spending your evening with me so much, and I have lots to think about. And I'm sure anyone listening to this is probably feeling like they can go and even just simple things like implementing in their own household or kind of taking note of habits. I feel like I even feel better equipped to go continue on this journey myself. So. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I hope our paths cross again soon. Oh, I hope so too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bread, Wine, and Everything Fine podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, click the subscribe button and you will never miss an episode.